You're listening to Veg Your Best with vegan life coach Michelle Olander. Episode 92 Vegan Book Consultant and Publisher Mitali de Perquesta. Hey, my veg heads. I think you're really going to like this interview today. Who among us, who among us has not thought about writing a book? And I happen to know right here, right now, listening in my audience, you, and you know, all of you who you are, you've talked about it. You've got ideas. You've got a reason why a book would be absolutely brilliant for you and the work you do and the people you're trying to reach. So today's guest is for you. You're welcome. It's the absolutely charismatic Mitali Deprecasta, vegan book consultant and publisher and author of the Freedom Master Plan. The Freedom Master Plan to put your mission, movement, and message on the map. What a title. Mitali has worked with all kinds of writers, but her mission, her special excitement and focus is a lot like mine, to amplify the voices and ideas of vegans and ethical experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs. So kids, your excuses for not getting a book done this year, they're rapidly diminishing. And even if you're not quite ready, even if you're not, listen to this interview with Mitali, I think you will be so excited to pull out your notes and ideas for that book you've had in mind and on your to-do list. As today, Mitali pulls back the curtains on the publishing world to help you imagine what getting your book out of your brain and into the world would be like. Okay, catch you on the flip. Mitali de Perquesta, welcome to Veg Your Best. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to what you were introduced to me by someone who's kind of a rock star in the uh, vegan community, Katrina Fox. <laughs> she is. Oh, she is. <laughs> How do you know of Katrina Fox? Well, I got to know about a year ago. I joined her fantastic Vivas Network, um, which is full of awesome vegan female entrepreneurs. I'm one of them. So I thought, well, why not? Why would I not join a group of people um, like that? So that's how I got to know her. And then over the space of a year, because she's just so fantastic at what she does, she became my publicist. So that's who she is now. She's actually my official publicist. And I couldn't ask for a better publicist because it's someone who I know without even having to say the words, our goals and ethics and values align. So I know that whenever she's putting me forward for anything, whether it's a, a podcast, whether it's a publication, she's already done the background checks and made sure this is something that fits in with my values. So I'll put it this way. I'm not going to be put forward for some publication, like farming publication, for example. She's not going to do that. So that's what I love about working with Katrina. She knows exactly what I want to do with my business and her goals align with my goals. 
Yeah, Katrina Fox, if any of my listeners don't know her, scribble down her name and Google her. She is a lot of fun. She knows a lot. She's very serious and she's also very accomplished. And if you didn't know that vegans have their own subculture of business and marketing and publicizing, yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly do. And so, and Mitali, Mitali is someone who is a vegan book consultant and publisher. And I really am excited to share you, Mitali, with my listeners, because um, my listeners are all over the spectrum. Um, some of them are what level five vegans, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love the levels. Yes. And others of us are somewhere else on that continuum, but, um, but it's, um, I have wanted very much to work with vegan uh, entrepreneurs, getting their, their, their message out, vegan uh, initiatives. A lot of them are, um, are uh, nonprofit or activist. And I, we want to share all these messages out in the world. And your work is completely in line. So would you please tell us a little bit about uh, your work as a book consultant and vegan publisher? So my goal, Michelle, is to help as many vegan experts, influencers, entrepreneurs write nonfiction books that put them on the map and just amplify their voice. I think, you know, I don't need to convince people. I don't think I need to convince anybody that writing a book does wonders for your branding and for your visibility. I mean, every time you go to a conference or a summit, you know, the keynote speaker is always best-selling author of such and such book you know so we all know it works I think where the disconnect is well there's a number of things first of all there's huge amounts of imposter syndrome wrapped up in writing a book I think a lot of people have this stereotype of a ultra academic person someone who's got you know degrees coming out of their earlugs and they just kind of think oh gosh I'm not that person you know maybe they left school without uh, you know a grade in English Maybe they still have nightmares of their English teacher shouting at them saying, oh, my God, your grammar is terrible. And my goal is to say your message and your movement is far more important than how great your grammar is or how good you are at structuring a book. That's a job of a great book consultant and publisher, which is what I do. And my goal with my business, with my publishing company is to take all that away from you, to take that overwhelm of what does a book, what does a good book look like? And, you know, and also fears of being laughed at. There's a lot of people who think, oh, what if I publish a book and it's not right and then it damages my reputation and, and people will laugh at me, you know? There's all those fears are wrapped in us. It's, it's quite startling for me because I've met some very accomplished people. And yet as soon as the, the conversation turns to writing a book, suddenly you can see them withdraw into their shells and there are there's all this imposter syndrome going on. And my goal is to say, you shouldn't be worrying about anything. That you need to leave to a great book consultant and publisher. Your role, especially as a vegan or ethical or plant-based entrepreneur, expert influencer, is to impact as many people as possible. So you're already doing that. Chances are, especially if you're listening to this, you're listening to, to Michelle, you're already doing that in some small way. Whether it's just, you know, individual activism in going out there and just speaking to people and letting them know that what they're doing is harmful and there is a better way of being of going about it. Or whether, as you say, level five vegans are really out there in a big way and they want to veganize the world. Whatever it is you're doing, imagine if you could have 10 times more impact or even twice as much impact that you've got now. 
that's what I want to empower people to do without them suffering any imposter syndrome. I, I was just speaking with a, uh, another coach who's not vegan, but she was saying that her um, eighth grade English teacher told her she was a terrible writer. And she is now, I don't know exactly how old she is. I think she, I'm guessing she's younger than I am. I'm guessing she's in her fifties and she cannot get that voice out of her head when she writes her blogs or, or puts together her um, podcasts. And she now just does her podcasts, which I think is a technique you recommend. She just talks into her phone, into her voice notes. And because when she says, when she sits down pen to paper, she just, just, um, it like hallucinates this this eighth grade teacher. <laughs> it's, just, it's such a shame. And this sort of story makes me angry as well. I hear this time and time again. And it just kind of makes me angry because that is now sat in her head, but she's got this powerful message that is now not getting out to as many people as possible. And I always say, if I have to have a choice between person A, who has a fantastic mission and a message to change the world and make it a kinder place, but their grammar sucks <laughs> as opposed to person B who's the most beautiful writer in the world, but doesn't really have anything to say. Trust me, I can work far better with person A because they're coming to me with this passion and mission and movement. I can work with that. The rest I will do. And I have a great team of vegan editors and designers and typesetters. I've got professionals who can polish you up and you know, make you as amazing as any major traditional publisher would publish. Whereas what I can't do is work with person B, who's maybe a beautiful writer, but they've got nothing to say. They're boring. They've got no mission. There's nothing going on with them. I mean, we have a saying here in the UK, you can't polish a turd. You know? so there's nothing I can do there. So if you're thinking, my God, my grammar sucks. And I have a gentleman at the moment who's writing a book with me. He's severely dyslexic. So he, he literally can't write, like literally can't write. And yet he's going to be a published author by the end of August. We're slating it for around the end of August when he'll be finished. Because he's got a mission and a movement, he's so passionate about what he does. He's a coach. And that I can work with. So if you're sat there thinking my grammar sucks or I'm a terrible writer or I, I struggle even writing a tweet, don't worry about it. As long as you've got the passion and the mission and you're wanting to do something good for this world and impact more people, that I can work with. Mm, I think somebody really needed to hear that right now because you can fix grammar. That's why you have a publisher or an editor or a exactly. brother-in-law who's good at it. Or <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There are great people on this planet. I have editors. I would never be an editor, by the way, Michelle. It's just I'd rather stick pins in my eyes. The idea of going through words at that meticulous detail I'm a strategic person I'm not a detail oriented person but that's why we have these wonderful people called editors and I pay them very well because they will go through a manuscript and polish it until it's beautiful so you don't have to worry what my biggest worry is when there is nothing to go in an editor can't edit something that doesn't exist so as long as you have the passion and you have the story and you have the mission the rest leave it to the professionals that's what they're there for I know someone needed to hear that because you know what? I think almost all of us believe we have at least one book in us, maybe not more than one, some of us, but I think almost everybody has one book. And I think if, if you're listening out there today, everybody, what is the book? What is the book that you have been sitting on in the back of your head? I'm looking at um, Mitali's book here. It's called The Freedom Master Plan. I think it's the second edition. Is that is that how you it did is. it? It is. It yeah. is. The first edition came out last year and 
you're going to think I'm crazy, Michelle, because I've been vegan since 2012, so over a decade. And yet it only dawned on me last year, beginning of last year, I thought, hmm, why am I not serving the vegan and plant-based community? Why am, am I just a book consultant and publisher for the general audience? So when the first book came out, it was for a general audience. But then over the space of 2021, I met amazing people like Katrina, got involved with a number of vegan and ethical um, business groups. And I just fell in love. I was just like, oh my God, these are the people who have a real mission. Um, I always jokingly say that someone must have done a webinar sometime in 2016 that told all business owners they needed to have a mission. So now you get all of these wishy-washy missions that people have. I'm sure you've seen it on LinkedIn. Everyone's got a mission now. And you're thinking, really? Is that really a mission? Is that something that you put together as a marketing thing because you've heard it's good for your return on investment? Whereas whenever I'm working with vegan or plant-based, ethical, sustainable entrepreneurs, business owners, that mission is real. You know, they're, they're, that's not a marketing ploy. That is a real mission. And I know that because being ethical, being vegan, it, it, there's a cost to it. You know, it, it, say, for example, if you're a vegan printer, I'm saying that because I actually have a meeting with my vegan printer in a couple of hours, and he makes sure that all of his inks are vegan. Well, guess what? Vegan inks actually cost more than standard inks. So he has a bigger cost to his business just by trying to do the right thing, which drives me crazy because why are we penalized for doing the right thing? My website, for example, the average website um, emits around two to four grams of CO2 per page. My website emits 0.23, I think. So, you know, less than half. But guess what? It costs me more to have my website built to make sure it was emitting such low CO2. So I know when I'm speaking to a vegan or an ethical or plant-based entrepreneur, they've got it tougher than a standard entrepreneur. And yet they're still sticking to their ethics and refusing to budge from it, even though there's other entrepreneurs who can undercut them because their costs are lower because they're not doing things ethically. So I know when I meet one of these people, their mission is real. It's not a marketing ploy. And like I said before, that kind of passion I can work with. You can be dyslexic. You can have the worst grammar in the world. I don't care. The one thing I can't give you is a true mission and passion. You give me that, I can turn you into a best-selling author. That's, that's my only requirement. But if you don't have that, then I'm going to really struggle with you. I love that. I think now this is, this is such important stuff. Now, and it also reminds me, when we're vegan, we're not done. Sometimes I think sometimes people think, oh, that's the end. Or sometimes some vegans can be a little bit, sometimes a little bit preachy and, and say, you know, <laughs> put other people in, an, in another space. And I think it's, yeah, you, when you're vegan, then you, that's, now you get the next category. I had no idea my website <laughs> might not be sustainable. Look at that. I didn't know. I literally didn't know till the beginning of the year and I was having my websites redesigned. And then I worked with a lovely lady called Kaylee from Kakadu Creative. And she was like, yes, we'll make your website sustainable. And I'm going, what? <laughs> it's a website. What do you mean? It's like, it's, it's, a, it's just online. Surely it, it doesn't make any difference. She's like, oh, no, like there's a, a cost to it. You know, if you have too many pages and each extra page that you have, I'm not saying, by the way, you shouldn't have pages on your website. You need pages on your website to explain to somebody what you do. But just having extra pages for the sake of it, you're actually increasing your carbon footprint. 
mind blown. I had no idea. And this is 10 years into my vegan journey and I'm still learning. So there's always more to learn. But yes, that, that was the reason why I decided once I made that kind of move and I decided I really wanted to work with vegan and plant-based entrepreneurs, I realized that my book didn't even mention my vegan journey or anything like that. So I had to create a second version. Uh, and Katrina Fox, we already spoke about, she actually wrote the forward to this version as well. Um, so yeah, I'm very happy. It's, I mean, a part of me wonders why it took me this long but it is what it is. We're all on a particular journey. And it took me 10 years to realize that my heart belongs with vegan and ethical entrepreneurs and business owners. And that's what I want to focus on. And they're just so much easier to work with. <laughs> so it's easy for me. Really? Are we? <laughs> well, like I said, because of that passion, you know, sometimes people come to you and they, you know, if they're not, like I said, the, the, their whole mission is really a marketing ploy. I always say a, a book really does it's unforgiving. You could, you, you can do the whole, I'm this cool guru of whatever on online, because think about it. It's so ephemeral like online. It's just so short lived. You put a post up one day, it's gone within a few hours anyway. You know, something about a book is more permanent. So it can lay you bare a little bit. So if your mission isn't really what you believe is something that you just kind of put together because it's a good marketing thing, writing a book is where I'm going to start seeing the holes. I'm going to be like, ah, you're padding things here. And that's why what makes it difficult as a book consultant. Like I said, I don't really care about your grammar. I don't care about your prose. I don't care whether you can structure writing well. That's my job and my team. That's what we will do. But what we can't do, what even the best publisher out there can never do is give you that content which comes from a passion and a mission and really having something to say that no one can give you either you've got it or you don't that's it and mm. I just tend to find with vegan and plant-based entrepreneurs you guys have got it in bucket loads so then it makes me excited it's like yes I've got that that rough diamond that I can now polish up and turn into a sparkling diamond you got to give me a diamond in the first place, otherwise I don't know what to do. You give me a lump of coal, as good as I am, I can't turn you into a diamond. Beautiful. Okay, well, I, I see your point, and I'm, I'm going to point my listeners to your book that we're just talking about, the second edition, The Freedom Master Plan, because if you're wondering, if you're at home, or if you're driving, or if you are working out or taking care of the kids, and you're thinking, I don't know, do I actually have a book in me? This book is going to help you decide. And I think it's going to help you really, um, because it's so clearly, I mean, it's just so clearly set up to go bit by bit, who would you be talking to? What would you be talking about? And you don't, you're not writing the, um, you're not writing the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, you are, it's books now for business are you recommend a little smaller, a little shorter, right? A little bit more. Yes, a hundred percent. I would say uh, uh, books like this, which is either business related or self-help or how-to guide style books, I would say 30 to 50,000. And even then at the moment, the last few years, the trend is closer to 30,000. So my book, I think is about 38,000. Even over 40 people start to grumble. I mean, there's this belief that you don't want to just pad out a book. There's nothing worse than reading a book that could have been done after page 102, but it waffles on till 250. You don't, people don't welcome that. 
I think it, it, there's also, you have to understand the person who reads a nonfiction book like this has a very different motivation to someone reading fiction. When you're reading fiction, you're reading for pleasure. You tend to slow down. Maybe you've gone on holiday, you know, you've gone on vacation and you sat on a beach and you don't want to rush it. That's why would you want to rush through that? Because it's you're reading for pleasure. That's the whole point. It's the journey. Whereas when they're reading these kinds of books, they're reading it because they really want a solution. So, for example, one gentleman who's just published with me a few weeks ago, Luke, he's written a book called Supercharged. And it's all about how to get your health back into alignment. Um, but he, he specifically works with disaffected young men who have left school without any qualifications. They've been let down by the education system. And some of them are, well, they all are usually abusing drugs and alcohol, which affects their physical health, but then it affects their mental health as well. And some of them are in and out of prison. So what he does is his, that's his story, by the way. He was one of those guys. And then he managed to bring himself back from the brink. And now he teaches these young men how to do the same. Now, with him, if you think about it, when people pick that book up, they're not thinking, oh, well, this is a nice read for me to curl up to. This is quite hard hitting. What they're reading this book for is they want solutions. You know, they, they're tired of their lives. They're tired of being drunk all the time and then having the hangover. They're tired of being in a, a dead end job and their life going nowhere. And they feel like their life is just rolling away from them because they've got no qualifications to be able to get that great job or great career or anything like that. They need a solution. You waffle on for 250, 300 pages when you could have been done in 100 pages. They're not going to be happy. They're going to say, you could have just given me that, what I needed to know, so I can go and implement it. You could have done it in this number of pages. Why did you waffle on? So, yeah, I would say, like I said, at the top end, 50,000. But I would say keep it under 40,000. 30 to 40 is a great number of words, I would say. So, yeah, you're not writing War and Peace, nothing like that. It's really just downloading your expertise into a book. I, I, uh, I, I try to mentor some vegan podcasters. And um, a lot of us podcasters have a book already. We have our, our every transcript from week to week <laughs> to week, you know, and exactly. um, I, I'm actually encouraged. There's somebody, her ears are probably burning right now if she's listening. Um, <laughs> there's someone who I think should should probably pitch you about uh, about working with you. Um, she she has um, I, I because I work with people who are always trying to be a little bit more vegan or get a little better at veganism. A lot of what I teach every week is kind of circular. It's kind of coming at the same thing in different ways and trying to find a way that resonates based on different ideas. Some people are actually creating new content week to week to week to week, and that they're going to have a book in, in six months. <laughs> it's, this is what I mean. I, I think this is other this, this belief that as soon as I say book, a lot of people think this, this new thing that they're having to create, this brand new thing, and it can feel overwhelming. But I also I'm not asking you to write the seventh Harry Potter book here. It's it's what you're already doing. And especially if you're a vegan, plant-based, ethical business owner or expert, a lot of your marketing already is all about education. So we're educating people as to, like, for example, I just gave you an example of Kaylee from Kakadu Creative. She educated me on the idea that there is a, a ramification in having websites with far too many graphics going on and 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 I was like oh my god I had no idea I was thinking CO2 in terms of 
you know, getting on a flight. So I will try and avoid getting on a flight. If I can get somewhere by train, I will do that instead of getting on a flight. The, the idea that a website is emitting CO2 and I can make a difference there just blew my mind. So in one way or another, we are educating people, whether like, even if you don't have a business, even if you're just vegan in your personal life, but you're speaking to people as an advocate and explaining to them why you're a vegan, you're educating. That's all we're doing to a lesser or a larger extent. We are educating people. And all you're doing is you're just downloading that education and expertise into a book. So in terms of making a book, uh, one of my, one of my uh, clients talks about it being so overwhelming um, that she couldn't create the content. But I think what you've just said is many of us are already creating this content. It's not it's not brand. We're not starting from scratch with our books. Absolutely. You're already, like I said, you're already doing it. If you are a vegan or plant-based or ethical entrepreneur, I would say probably 80% or 90% of your marketing is education. You're educating the public as to why choices that they're making without realizing it are harming, whether it's harming the environment, whether it's harming animals, whether it's harming other human beings or harming their health. It's all education. I was listening, I was actually listening to a really good um, episode of your podcast that you had with uh, with Ginger Burr, a phenomenal lady. And I really loved how she said that, you know, this idea that some people are just effortless dressers because she helps people dress, women dress well. Um, And she was saying it's not, you know, the people who dress effortlessly, they actually put the effort in the beginning. They had a plan. They had the tools for dressing effortlessly. And once they've got that, then it seems effortless. Then you're just like, they become that person that everyone goes, you just always know what to wear. But they actually did the work beforehand. It's the same thing with the book. If there's this idea that you should just be this amazing writer, you know, like, <laughs> like one of the Bronte sisters or something. She just come naturally to you. Well, guess what? It doesn't. You know, I've ghostwritten seven books. The first one took me a year and a half. And I don't even remember how many drafts. I think we got into 50 something drafts because it was my first book and I had no idea what on earth I was doing. Thankfully, I had a fantastic client who knew it was my first book. So you had no deadline at all. He was just like, take as much time as you like. So he was a great first client for me to cut my teeth on, I guess. Um, by the time I wrote the seventh one, did it in six weeks, even though I had no idea about the subject before starting. So it was a brand new subject as well for me, which, which means you've actually got a head start on a ghostwriter because a ghostwriter has to immerse themselves into a new subject that they maybe have no experience of whereas you you're doing what you do all day every day it's your life it's what you do so what I do and my team do is give you that plan and the tools so then you can feel that effortlessness you can write that book in an effortless way so yeah I was really interested when Ginger said that I thought gosh this lady's doing something entirely different to me she's helping women dress well I help people write books. You can't really get more different than that. And yet she was saying that what she said, I just thought that's exactly what I do for people. I give them the tools and I give them a plan. So then the book writing becomes effortless because they already have the expertise and the knowledge. They're not asking them to create something brand new from scratch. It's what they're already saying to their audience. I'm just going to give you the structure and the tools to put that in and you have a book. You know, I think that I think what you're quoting from Ginger is so 
important and it's so universal effort this myth of effortlessness is in every <laughs> it's in every field you know there's some people play tennis at Wimbledon they make it look effortless but I mean come on <laughs> it's like watching Whitney Houston sing bless her bless her soul now you know it's like how does this voice come out of this human being it's just it's almost on another planet but she just sings it and just thinking my lungs would literally you'd see them blow up if I tried to sing like that but what people don't see is the fact that she's been singing for a very, very tiny age, singing through the churches. That's why she can do what she does. It isn't effortless at all. It's taken a lot of effort to yes. be effortless. A really good mentor of mine told me a number of years ago, he, he said, success is like a swan. You just see a swan gliding on a lake and you think, how beautiful, how graceful. If you just looked underneath the waterline, you'd see two webbed feet paddling away furiously, trying to keep afloat and making sure it doesn't sink. That is success. That is what success looks like. It looks effortless, effortless from the top. It sure as hell isn't at the bottom. It takes a lot of effort. Yeah, and I think sometimes people who come to a new endeavor in uh, adulthood or midlife or even more in my, my like third act type of time of life, we sometimes think, well, it's, it's too late or it's not going to happen for me. Or how can I ever get there? But somebody with a little bit of mentorship, with a little bit of coaching, with a little bit of consulting, we probably know a third of what we need to know to do some of these things, right? For to get Definitely. a book, we probably already know. And so we get to fill in some of it, the time, maybe um, one thing I hear people say is there's no way I'd have enough time to write a book or start a new business or you name it. So how do you help people? Um, because in terms of my coaching, what we do is it's until you believe that you almost can't do it. It's really very hard to do something if you really don't believe you can do it. So how do you help people step into this new idea that they might be an author? Well, it comes back to, you know, what Ginger said, you know, which is when you have a plan and you have the tools, then you can fit it in. What I tend to find with people is when they tell me they've been writing a book, I meet people all the time and say, I've been trying to write a book for two years. And I say, okay, well, even if you only, say somebody has, uh, thinks they've been writing a book for a year, if they only write a thousand words a week, which by the way is about five paragraphs, it's two or three LinkedIn posts. It's not a lot of writing. If they just wrote a thousand words a week, they would have 52,000 words by the end of the year. So then I'll ask that person, I'll say, okay, right. So you must have 52,000 words. Oh no, I don't have that. So I go, okay, so you haven't been writing, have you? You've been in your head, thinking, probably getting imposter syndrome, talking yourself out of it, then talking yourself back into it. You've been torturing yourself. That's what you've been doing for a year. You haven't been writing your book for a year because if you've been writing, you would have a 52,000 word book. It may be a mess and not structured well, so nothing ready for publishing, but you will have a manuscript of 52,000 words. And then they go, oh, yeah, you're right. I haven't actually been writing my book, have I? It's like, that's what happens. And especially if you're already busy, if you've got a business, you've got family, you've got children, that thinking and trying to write at the same time, what, who does have the time for that? <laughs> Unless you've been born with a silver spoon in your mouth and you have a trust fund, who does have the time for that? That's the point of what I do. I give you that plan and I give you the tools. So then it becomes effortless. 
you know, in the same way that Ginger talks about once you have a plan and you have the tools, then you can get dressed in 10 minutes and you just look stunning. Apart from, you know, or the opposite is, you know, you sat there looking at your wardrobe going, I've got nothing to wear and you've got thousands of things to wear, but you just don't have a plan. You don't have the tools to put it together and make it look good on you. But once you have those tools, you can just go in, get dressed in 10 minutes and you look a million dollars. It's the same thing with a book. You have the plan, you have the tools and you start finding some of my clients literally they're able to work on their books even when they literally have 15, 20 minutes of downtime. Now, in the traditional sense of writing a book, you wouldn't even bother with that little amount of downtime. You would just think by the time I've got into my train of thought, I have to stop. So what's the point? The traditional way of writing is to give yourself a day a week, maybe, or half a day a week, or maybe a Saturday or a Sunday you decide is going to be your book day. And most people are reticent to do that because it's taking time away from their family. Whereas once you have a plan and you have the tools that I can give you, you can make even half an hour or even 15 minutes work towards your book. Just in the same way that you can go and get dressed in 10 minutes for a wonderful cocktail party and there's no planning involved. You just know your wardrobe is great and you can just go there and put things together and you know it's going to look great on you. I've just realized I'm saying a lot about Ginger and I think she's great. That's why. <laughs> well, she is. She's very, I mean, honestly, she's very uh, inspirational as a human being and, and in terms of her work. And I'm, I'm one of her, um, I'm one of her failed projects. I cannot get together with my, with my wardrobe, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still watching her videos. <laughs> oh my gosh. You have to, oh, Ginger, help her, please. If you're listening to this, help this lady. No, she's the best. She's the best. <laughs> She, she honestly, she, she, I, I have been a bad student of Ginger's. I am uh, one of these days I'll get it together, but she, it's, it's not, for, it's not, it's not her problem. <laughs> but, I'm sure you will. Yeah. I'm sure you'll get it together. She, um, so if someone were intrigued, if someone's going, holy cow, I've been talking about this to my family, to my husband, to my coworkers, I do have an idea. How would someone begin? do you think? How should they, should they start with your book? Should they start, do you have a website you would point them to? How would you recommend that they start thinking? I think the book is the best place, certainly. So um, the Freedom Master Plan, the, the, my goal with this book was to really lay bare what, what happens when you publish a book. There's lots of books out there that show you how to, for example, self-publish a book. There weren't many books out there that says, yeah, but then what? Okay, you publish a book, you stick it on Amazon, then what? What do you do with it? And sadly, there are some publishers out there who just push the whole, just publish a book and suddenly the world will stop turning. Well, guess what? It doesn't. I've been told that roughly 3,000 books a day are published on Amazon around the world. So you publishing a book is a drop in the ocean. It's what you do with it that counts. So my book, The Freedom Mastermind, is following the journeys of seven of my clients and what they did next with their books. So it's a great way for you to just read through. And I always say when you're reading my book, have a notepad and pen next to you. And it just means while you're reading these stories, there'll be certain things that go, oh, I can do that in my business. Not everything will fit in your business. There's, you know, there's 25 or 26 different strategies in The Freedom Mastermind. Even I don't utilize all those strategies. My brain will explode. There's just too much there. It's more about you picking the ones that fit your particular circumstances and your particular business. But by the end of it, the goal is that either you will say, yep, 
I know exactly what I'm going to do with my book now. And that will give you the motivation to write your book. Or you'll say, hell no, it's not for me. And even then, I'll be happy with that. Because at least you're not torturing yourself for the rest of your life, thinking whether you need to write a book. If you decide at the end of it, this isn't for me, great. You can now close that chapter and move on with whatever else you're doing with your life. So, yeah, I would say start with my book first, because that will definitely, by the end of it, you will know whether you should be an author or whether it's a big no. That's marvelous because I found it a very clear book to work through. And it, you can, you know, I'm, I'm someone who has a difficult time uh, going beginning to end. I tend to dive in. <laughs> yes, I know. Even though I do say in the introduction, don't do that, but I know people will, but yeah. <laughs> I do dive in to see because I wanted to be able to appreciate what you've done. And if I, I don't think I wasn't sure I would finish it in time for our conversation. But yes, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure I did it wrong. I always do. <laughs> I honestly don't. I, I, I expect people to do that. But again, that is something that, again, what I said before about giving people the tools. Mm. One of the things I teach them step by step is something called instructional design. And this is how to present your information in such a way that people don't just consume it. First of all, they can easily consume it. And as you found out from my book, it's very easy to digest. But also they start thinking in terms of how do I implement it? Because I'll go back to what I said before. The goal of these books isn't just to entertain. That's the role of fiction. The role of these books is to not only for someone to be educated, but then to go and implement what you've just taught them. Because consumption without implementation is not going to get you anywhere you're not going to see those changes in your life or your business or your health or whatever it is that you want to improve just by educating yourself isn't going to work you have to implement it so I give you the tools to write a book in such a way that people not only consume the information they then go and implement it and that's when you get the really happy testimonials of people say oh my god this book is amazing because they've actually started to implement things that can see the change in their lives or in their businesses. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's quite simple. When I teach my clients this, they go, oh, it's quite, because they were expecting some amazing sort of scientific thing. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's just this. This is how you present information, that this has been clinically proven. If you do it like this and you give them these kinds of exercises, people will consume and they will implement it. And now they're, they're finding, that, again, this effortlessness that Ginger talks about. They find the book writing so effortless now because they have a plan and they have these tools to help them. In so many, of, in, in so many categories, we're looking for inspiration, something to, to then take action. But so often, I agree, it's a small action creates the inspiration and the motivation to continue. When you can start going through something and going, oh, Oh, I do. I have, I have a message. I have somebody I'm trying to reach. I do have a reason why a book would be good for my business or for my clients. Just the, those little answering those small questions really clarifies so much. So then you can kind of then constrain your focus and maybe actually create something brand new. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope I was listening to another show of yours, the most recent one you did, which kind of, you know, it's something makes you choke up a little bit. Uh, it's the one that you did after the most recent shooting. And, you know, you can tell from my accent, I'm, I'm in the UK. So we, we're all very perplexed because we don't have a gun culture. So, you know, but you said something that really kind of struck me a little bit. And you said, you know, there's 
there's a lot of people who are thinking, what is the point? Especially sort of vegan and plant-based and entrepreneurs trying to do the right thing. And then you hear something like that in the news and those kids and you just think, what is the point? <laughs> what is the point of it? The thing is, this is going to sound a little bit cliche, but something my dad used to say is like, the oceans look mighty, but they're all made up of droplets. That's all they are. It's just billions upon billions upon billions of droplets. Billions upon billions of billions of goodness creates a kinder world. So that's what I'm trying to do is trying to amplify people's voices, whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's on a tiny scale, whether it's on a huge scale, it doesn't matter. As far as I'm concerned, if you can get make 10 times as much impact as you're making now, we're getting closer to that kind of world. Yeah, I think that, that that's probably where we should end this. We want to make sure that anybody out there who even thinks maybe even on a small, small part of your brain says, I think I might have a book in me. Let's, let's, let's point you towards the Freedom Master Plan, the book by Mitali de Procesta, to interrogate that thought. I think you're going to see that you have a, a, a process that can make it seem a little clearer, a little less daunting, a little, uh, a little more, more, we need those drops in the ocean. We want, we want your voice out there. <laughs> <laughs> Turn your drop into 10 drops, you know, just keep putting those. And it does feel futile, but I've, I mean, I'm in a different country. And yeah, I felt it when I woke up to that news, like, oh God, not again, you know, not again. You, again, you feel, it feels futile, doesn't it? You just think, what's the point? You just want to give up, but we can't give up because what's the point in living then if we give up? We've got to just keep doing what we're doing, keep making the impact and try and amplify that impact as much as possible. That's all we can do. Otherwise, what's the point in living? We might as well just give up right now. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not ready to. Not yet. I know. I'm not ready. I'd rather, honestly, it's sounding dramatic, but I'd rather die. There's no point in living if I'm not trying to get out there and achieve something and try and bring that kind of world. Yeah. Mitali, thank you so much for coming to Veg Your Best and spreading your spreading your amplification message to, to my <laughs> listeners. And I hope that we'll be able to share it even beyond, um, even beyond. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So, so what did you think about Mitali? What did you think? Well, I hope you didn't hear is that even though my phone was turned off, the phone rang through my laptop, the laptop I was doing the interview on. Why does it even do that? I didn't know it could do that. Why? Can I even answer my phone through my laptop? Oh my gosh. Some of you tech savvy folks maybe can answer that question for me. Enough said, enough said. I wanted to sob slash die when it happened, but hopefully sound editor and pod production whiz Charlie Weinshank cleaned that all up. Mitali though, total pro. She just picked right up where she was. Thank you, Mitali, total pro. And Mitali has similarly deconstructed the book writing process in a way that will have a lot of us very intrigued. And you vegan podcasters, you vegan bloggers, Instagram influencers, YouTubers, I know you're listening. You already have a lot of content. You already have an audience and a mission. So Mitali's best-selling book, The Freedom Master Plan, is going to help you see in a really clear, organized way how you can coalesce your work into a book. And a book that will amplify your message and your reach. 
I'm 100% positive someone listening today really needed to hear Mitali today, okay? So you can also learn more about Mitali Deprecesta and her work at thefreedommasterplan.com and the links will, as always, be in the show notes. Okay, kids, get out there and veg your best. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.